0: Hello, hello, my name is Clark Heron, aka The Hairy Hobo, and welcome to number Ocho, or number 8, uh, of AKA Sports Season 2. And with me, as always, the man with a plan, Fletch. Welcome back once again. And uh, before you awesome. tell the people exactly where to find us, uh, tell us exactly did you have a good weekend? Hopefully it went well. Uh, and then tell tell people where you can find us.
1: Yeah, man, I had a great weekend, man. Just got to kind of relax, um, you know, do do some do some necessaries. But I will tell you, man, actually, I got into some non-sports this weekend. I actually finished the entire Kanye West documentary between uh, the last podcast and this one. It was something I was on my list, so I had to I had to finish that before I started to kind of dive back in. It was four and a half hours of my time, so. <laughs> <laughs> I had, to, I had to binge that and get that out the way one time. But uh, outside of that, man, I've been uh, enjoying kind of kicking back, mainly watching some college basketball. Uh, NBA started back since uh, the All-Star break, so that's always good to see. But, um, yeah, man, people, people, look for us, find us. You know how to do it. YouTube, a.k.a. sports, just search us. We'll pop up. We got season one. We got season two. Like, subscribe, share, all that, comment. Please hit us up. Um, tell us what you think um give us something you might want us to debate on the show anything that you feel like go ahead and comment um you can also find us on facebook aka uh, facebook.com aka sports fb that's facebook.com slash i'm sorry don't forget the slash aka sports fb hit us up on anchor.fm again slash aka sports don't forget the slash um or you can follow me or tweet me on twitter at aka sports pod we are on there live, live people, and uh, Clark. I know we're missing this off air coming up. We do have the big March Madness tournament. It's so yes. nice to have it, man. Like that one year we didn't. Yep. It, it. We. I really I think we really took it for granted. And then last year was amazing. And this year, I'm just looking forward to it now that we have full capacity again. It's. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a good one. So, nonetheless, man, we're gonna get into today's show. Today, we'll be talking about coaches and players. I'm going to kick it to cart so he can go ahead and set, set, it up for, set it up for us here today and uh, give the people what they want to hear.
0: Yes, exactly. Our topic for the day is trying to figure out, ultimately answer the question, uh, who's more important to a team? Is it the coach or the player? And obviously, we'll continue to talk about this, try and figure out exactly the best uh, relationship between the two as well as for the team, and then by the end of the show, hopefully come up with a a more definitive answer uh, than typically what we see online. Obviously, the newest version of that would be the Brady versus Belichick. But before we jump into that, uh, Fletch, I'm going to ask you a question here. First, um, I want you to tell the people what kind of sports you played growing up, um, as well as when it came to coaches. Maybe you've had a couple different types of coaches. Maybe you haven't. Uh, But what kind of coach best resonated with you? Is it the type of fiery coach that always wanted to just light a fire underneath of you and was always yelling? Or is it much the cooler, calmer coach that really got you to play at your best?
1: Yeah, man. Well, I mean, I played basketball really kind of just my whole life growing up. I didn't really touch too many other things like um, organized, I guess you could say. I played a plethora of different sports unorganized, but... Organized, though, with coaches and everything, man, it was mainly just basketball for me. Um, essentially, the coach, though, uh, we're kind of going to that. I have had a variety of different coaches throughout my time, and I'm kind of torn. I'll be honest with you. Um, I feel like I played harder under a coach that was very rah-rah in your face and um, I feel like any coach needs to be demanding, so I don't want to say he's more demanding, say, than a a non-aggressive coach. But, I mean, one thing that I know, the coaching style that I performed the best under was different than what I played the hardest under, if that makes sense. And especially with me playing basketball, I think that is a sport where so much playing harder doesn't mean you're actually playing well. Um, You could play hard, but you're out of position or... You know, you, you hustled so hard one way that you, you, you you know, you missed, you lost your man and now he's all the way over here and he's wide open. So there's different, there's a difference or you're out or even on offense, you play hard, you can be a little out of control. So with basketball, I think the the perfect storm for me was a coach that was more of a player's coach that really like, you know, gave me the knowledge, like sat down and had discussions with me versus, you know, 30 seconds of yelling okay I get it I'm gonna bust my ass but at the same time on, on the flip side this coach over here he's giving me the tools and the knowledge that I need as well and then telling me you know what I am doing right and versus harping on you when you do great and cheering you to the fullest when you do wrong it's like it's very extreme there's no in between there and there's I feel like with those kind of coaches no offense to them because I think they're great in their own right and also maybe better in other sports but with basketball for me it was the one that Actually coached me up versus like being more so the 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 super high energy in your face kind of coach, and I think those to me essentially make the best coaches because you get I think you get more out of those out of your players when you coach that way. At least that's what my performance at least is is that's based on my performance and also based on various examples that I may you know go over during the course of the show here. So that's how that's that's for me how how things were clark um great question um i would love to hear uh your answer but i know everybody's probably going to have a slightly different answer i mean really one based on the sports you played with what the coaches you played for and then on top of that too just how you performed under those various coaches so i mean let's let's hear from you as well man what what sports did you play growing up um and i guess to because mine was mainly focused on basketball for you. Like, what was the main sport you focused on? And, you know, give us some examples of, like, like the types of coaches you had and which one you felt like you performed better under or, you know, what circumstances they presented to you.
0: Yeah, I, growing up, I have played multiple sports. I played basketball, played baseball, as well as a little bit of football. Uh, baseball was the, the true love, the one that I, I put the most effort into. And when it came to coaches growing up, when I was playing more of, like, Little League, Pony League, that sort of thing. I always had the more uh, non-aggressive coaches. Obviously, one of them was even my father growing up, and he was never the aggressor. He was always the one that was trying to teach and always trying to uh, try to get the best out of you via that way. Uh, but just as what you kind of brought up as well, I also had a couple other coaches that just, oh my goodness, the, the, the rippings that I got definitely... Uh, light of fire underneath of me and there were times that they definitely pushed me to play a little bit harder um, and I think I think you kind of alluded to it a little bit the, trying to find the nice combination between those two is really what worked best for me and I had that with my high school baseball coach which was basically our friend buddy pal whenever it came to off the field stuff mulch sales uh, You couldn't find a better person, and he was a very good coach and tried to help you along. Uh, But you knew when he was going to get upset, and you didn't want to see that side, but sometimes it had to happen. But that was the kind of combination that worked best for me and our group because we played so well uh, through high school. Uh, Just That's the style of coach comparative to – I think I watched a documentary – It wasn't really a documentary, it was a show. It was Sports Science years ago when they were trying to figure out which of these two coaches worked best for, in basketball, shooting free throws. It was a small little test. Uh, And basically, it was basically the the Coach K style, calm, assertive, uh, strong-handed, that sort of thing, versus the Bobby Knight, which is the, the total extreme, which was much more fiery of a coach. And I believe the results found that the ones that were Uh, the calmer got better results but it wasn't that big of a difference Uh, at least in that test there wasn't a huge difference between the two so much like you stated it really kind of comes down to the type of person that you are uh, which one you're going to respond to a little bit better than the other but at least for me I needed somebody that could do both I couldn't just rely on somebody that was going to be a nice good coach that could teach me stuff i need someone that could also light that fire underneath of me as well because they knew that what they're teaching me was landing is just not really processing at times so i definitely agree with you on those terms Uh, i guess we'll go from there as we kind of understand that's the style of coaching obviously uh, we know what the players are, but in order to answer the question that we're uh, set out to answer, it's kind of more like the Belichick-Tom uh, Brady scenario where we're trying to figure out who's going to be more important to their team. Uh, so, Fletch, I'll, I'll kick it back over to you. I guess we'll start off with that example of the Belichick-Brady. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've seen the teams have success. There's no no doubt that they've won seven or six Super Bowls together. Um, obviously Brady went on to win another one with Tampa Bay. Some like to think of that as maybe the definitive answer of who was better in that relationship, but what is your thoughts on that relationship? So
1: I'm going to speak on this real the relationship first, and there's a cap, but there's a whole overall caveat, I think with our show and I, I take that back. I'm going to leave with the overall caveat of the show. And I Clark, let me agree. You can agree to disagree or agree to agree is that, Before I kind of hop into Belichick Brady, would you say that coaches are more important than players when we're talking about amateur, meaning high school and college, versus we're talking about professional? Is that safe to say?
0: I would say you can probably make a strong argument that uh, the coaches typically have a stronger importance at a younger level um, for most sports unless you run into like – A generational phenom like LeBron James something like that but typically at a much younger age those kids are trying to absorb as much information as possible and much more often than not they're not in a position to be just a true game changer unless it's a generational talent at least that's how I see it anyway Facts.
1: I would agree there. I would agree. E- even to a degree, I think some of those generational talents are also great because of the coaches that they grew up with as well. But that's, you know what I'm saying? This, the athleticism, for instance, of for a LeBron James or a Zion Williamson more recently would still be there regardless of the high school that they went to. So, right. yes. Yeah, the generational talents, is, the ta- talents are like the one-offs, I guess you could say, in this to a degree. But then, again, with amateur sports, that's where I wanted to kind of, you know, that's where the, the difference is. And we can have a debate about certain college teams, whether, you know, it's the U at Miami or one of the great Duke or Kentucky teams or something like that. We can go into all that, but, you know, all in all, if we're going to stick sticking with Pro and we're going to move this back to Brady and Belichick, um, where the argument is, say, one or another, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, man, I'm not really a huge fan of the one or another when it comes to those two, because I do think that... Um, now, I do want to separate greatest from best. Um, that's a conversation that's always had. But nonetheless, I think Belichick and Brady are the greatest coach and the greatest player, uh, or at least quarterback, respectively. Um, and I don't want to I don't think Brady's success in Tampa Bay should diminish what he what Belichick's success was there in New England. I think what Belichick is this too, and this is for you know my, the the real sports fans and know Bill Belichick. Versus the ones that may not, you know, make one. I don't want to call you not a real one if you're not old enough, but either you weren't old enough to see it uh, or at least hear about it, read it, whatever. Or, um, you know, you just don't realize the impact of Bill Belichick on the game. Bill Belichick has been a great, great, great coach well before Tom Brady was in the NFL. Let's just I just want to make that 100 percent clear. Um, He's he's part of the Parcells coaching tree. Uh, who was also a legendary coach. Um, he had a lot of success uh, um, as a coordinator on that call and his coaching staff. When he did his own thing, he actually actually was part of was was the head coach in Cleveland, along with Nick Saban, and that team was turned around from being obscure to being one of the best defensive teams in the league. Um, if you go back and look at those four years that he was in Cleveland, again before Tom Brady was even close to the NFL. So take that in consideration. And then you do go to those Patriot teams. And I mean, Tom Brady's great, but let's look at the circumstances, man. You know, you you're dealing with a very young quarterback that stepped in for a uh, a, a high level vet in Drew Bledsoe. And that guy still got it to the to the to the championship. That's not because of how great Tom Brady was necessarily, because let's be real, he wasn't great yet then, right? That team was was. Essentially, Belichick is a great defensive coach. And that team had great defenses early. And then Tom Brady started to figure out and come into his own and become who we know as Tom Brady. And they continue to win regardless if the offense or if the defense was good or not. That's what we saw later. But that doesn't happen. You don't get six rings with just there wasn't there wasn't six rings of Tom Brady greatness. That's that's the point that I want to bring up and I don't and that's why I don't really like that argument so much because we forget those first three rings how great of a defense that was. They won 3 out of 4, bro. Like that's hard to do in any sport. Especially football. 3 to 3 out of 4, I mean, we can go back and look at the look at the the four major sports we have in our country. 3 out of 4 has only happened a, 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 a half maybe a half dozen times. In the last 20 years and four total sports combined, that's essentially 80 championships, right? Like four sports, 20 years. That's 80 plus championships, probably more so 90 because we're in 2022 at this point. Since the turn of the century, millennium decade, 2000, and you go back and look at all the teams that have won three out of four. Clark, I mean, honestly, I can only think of the Lakers, those Patriots. Um, I'm missing somebody and I apologize. Um, big time missing somebody. Oh, Golden State. Yeah. I'm like, that was the the most recent Golden State outside of those three, three teams. Like who else has done that?
0: Yeah. I don't think anybody at this point, I know there's been a, a couple of close ones, maybe, but even then, uh, you know, football's kind of been up and down all over the place. Baseball's been, yeah. Something similar, even though a couple teams have tried. The Dodgers have definitely tried, but couldn't quite get it done. You've had your
1: back-to-backs. You've had your two-out-of-threes, your two-out-of-fours, maybe your four straight championship appearances, five straight in some cases. Like, we've seen that. But, like, have you won three out of four? Like, and that's what kind of we consider a dynasty nowadays. Like, we used to consider dynasties back in the day, like, you know, over, say, a ten-year stretch, you basically dominate the whole decade and win, we'll say, at least four championships nowadays a, decade, a dynasty is looked at basically almost more of a five-year span where the air is a little bit shorter like what did you do in those five years like golden state that was a dynasty from those five years they were untouchable they were going to the finals and everyone knew it Still, from the first time they started you know they're gonna get back oh they just added kevin durant they're gonna go again they're gonna go again they're gonna go again and honestly what stopped them from winning five you can honestly say it was a suspension and then an injury I mean, and it's and it's perfectly within reason. You have a legit argument if you say so. So it goes back to the Belichick-Brady thing, like, which one is more important? Neither. Which one? Um, who are you taking, Belichick or Brady, is probably the better question Um, is to ask, necessarily, to kind of figure out your terms of importance. And personally, I'm going Belichick. Players have a shelf life. Coaches' shelf lives are far longer when you're successful because you don't have to worry about your athleticism wearing golf. That's yeah. the answer to the question for me, between those two especially.
0: Yeah, it it's definitely a hard one to answer, just to your point as well. They're both going to have their importance to the team, absolutely. Uh, the biggest thing that I kind of remember having a conversation with years ago was just understanding that the coach is the one putting in the game plans and working with all of his other coaches to – put the players in the best situations at least what they're hoping that plays out that way it's the players that are there to execute those plans and i've seen many a time where you have a phenomenal coach and they put together a great game plan and the players just just aren't aren't quite there they're just not quite good enough to execute and then i've seen just the opposite where you've seen coaches put in a game plan that they think is going to work and all of a sudden you know you got players like Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray running around like crazy because wreck your game plan, right? Because the game plan, maybe even if it was flawless, the defense was just a little bit better. And those guys have to improvise on the fly. I mean, we see it all the time in amateur sports and that's, I think that's maybe where this definition is going to change comparative to pro and amateur because amateur wise, you're still going to have a ton of great coaches, but more often than not, not everybody on the team is going to be up to snuff in order to run your great system to where you need your stellar athlete to be stellar. Whereas in the pros, everyone should be pretty darn good to the point where you need those good players to also improvise on the fly. Obviously Tom Brady known as uh, the plant man known as Sergeant drop down, you know, check down and, But that's what made him good is like knowing exactly how to run the offense. And if it doesn't work, knowing where to go with that offense in case plan A, plan B and plan C all don't work out. Right. So it's it's tough. I I would I would agree with you that probably coaches are going to be more valuable just because if you can find a good coach that lasts a very, very long time, players are going to come and go. It's going to happen. And
1: obviously, especially with Belichick, though, man, like think about how many times he's given away what we consider a great player for almost nothing or even a good player just because he doesn't fit. Right. Yep. Like that happens
0: with the Patriots more than really anyone else, anyone, because Belichick has a system. And if you do not fall in line, that's fine. We will find somebody that will. And you may be super talented. I think Chandler Jones was on that team at one point. And they're like, "Mm, nah, moving on.
1: For nothing.
0: Yeah, and got nothing out of it. And everybody was like, wait a minute here. But at the end of the day, Patriots continue to march on where Chandler Jones goes to a team that, you know, isn't as successful. Yep, Stephon Gilmore more recently. Yeah.
1: They still won 10-11 games this year. He didn't play a snap for the Patriots and got moved for like what was it like a, it was a pick, right?
0: Yeah, I think it was a, a somewhat later round pick, maybe a, a third or maybe it was fifth or sixth. I can't remember.
1: I feel like it was a sixth. I'm not I might have to might have to fact check it, but at the same time like a Stefan Gilmore is not given away for a draft pick unless it's a first round pick for most teams. Maybe second like especially at where he still is and like as soon as he got to the Panthers like first game had an interception so there's no question like he's still a very good corner could be one of the top 5 corners in the league and we're going to find out again next year once he actually is able to play a full season with the team but at the same time like he was moved for almost nothing and the Patriots still made the playoffs like it, like they didn't miss
0: him yeah it was a 2023 6th round pick it
1: wasn't exactly it wasn't even this draft and a six round pick? What is he looking for next time, Brady? Like like let's come on now. Like, that's what I mean by and don't get me wrong, I this is we're talking about this situation, and I'm not putting Belichick in front of Brady. I'm just saying I would rather have Belichick than Brady if I was to give both of these guys, say, we you know, I either draft Brady in two thousand one or I or I signed Belichick as my head coach and you and I had to pick one, I couldn't pick both, I'm signing
0: Belichick as my head coach. Yeah especially for the amount of money that you'll be saving typically uh, from not having to go coach to coach to coach, trying to find the next guy, you know, you have him. Yep. He's there. Uh, whereas other teams like the Browns before they got Stefanski and the lions continuously, you just see those organizations just kind of just getting stuck in the mud because they either don't give them enough time to actually prove themselves or or they're given too much time and nothing actually improves. <sighs> let me so, let me
1: yeah. let me do this here, Clark, because I think this this kind of goes to, um, I guess more of a a, a go, going by specific sports. In football, professionally, we're talking about the NFL. Is would you consider? Universally, I'm not saying it's going to be nothing's 100. Like their certain situations that are just different, but like universally, would you say that coaches are more important than players in in, in the NFL, or the other way, players Man. better coach more important than coaches?
0: That's tough because uh, honestly, I think they're they're pretty well equal, especially for. When you're looking at more the more successful organizations, um, man, honestly, I would have to side with the coaches. Um, I agree. It's tough, cause, but it, again, the same reason that I gave earlier was they're the ones putting in the game plans. They're the ones working with the players to ensure those game plans work best for their strengths and stay away from their weaknesses. Uh, at least the good coaching anyway, shall we say. Uh, right. But yeah, I mean, if you have a good enough coach that has a good system, there are organizations that will get by with some type of journeyman quarterback for one or two years before they can find the next franchise or hope to be franchise and they can get away with subpar running or subpar receiving. Eventually it's going to catch up to them. You can't do it forever. Uh, but Yeah, I, I'd had side with the coaching in that one.
1: Right. And that's just universally. And I mean, just, I just mean saying like over, I mean, you can go back and look at all the coaches. You can look at Belichick. You can look at Mike Tomlin. You can look at Andy Reid. Like these are three good examples of, you know, just very good coaches. Why? Because no matter what, their teams are always good. No matter what, even if they lack talent. Mike, Mike Tomlin has been lacking talent for a while now. Since Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown left and, and Big Ben got old, it's been a good stretch now where they have not had the talent. How has this man still not had a losing season? Like, let's be real. He had a he had to play Mason Rudolph a hell of a lot, like, two years ago. And they still managed to have winnings. Like, not I shouldn't say every year was a winning season, but, like, non-losing seasons, because 8-8 is not technically a winning season either. But, like, that's still overachieving to me with knowing what he had to deal with. Same thing with Andy Reid. Yes, he had Donovan McNabb in Philly and Mike Vick, and then you go to... Uh, the Chiefs, and he has
0: um, Patrick
1: Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, Alex Smith. Yeah, Alex Smith first, and then Patrick Mahomes. But it's like, even so, no matter who's on his team, like, what he's been able to do with all four of these quarterbacks is maximize potential. I feel like all, I mean, and granted there's, with McNabb, you can't compare when he got a little older. Quarterbacks, normally when they get old, they don't fall off the face face of the planet like Donovan McNabb did. I mean, normally, especially somebody that had his success in Philly, like, you would still... That he'd be good elsewhere, at least decent, right? Like, I mean, Cole Pepper had one good season, at least in Miami, going back way back in the day. But, like, yeah, as soon as he left, he was like irrelevant, to be honest with you. Um, and then look at Mike Vick, Mike Vick was great in Atlanta, but you can honestly say his best season was his year in Philly. And then you look at Alex Smith, I could you could probably argue his best Smith was the best year was with Andy Reid in, in Kansas City, and Patrick Mahomes has been you know lights out since day one but like that doesn't happen without the offense that they're running um and then and again the coach maximizing what they're able to do why do you think Le'Veon bell and antonio brown touched the ball more than anyone else and had a plethora of yards it's a reason why one year in fantasy they literally go went projected in most drafts one two because of the stats why because they always got the ball and why is that because that's the game plan Get your two best players the ball because those arguably are the two best players at that position at that time. And it was no brainer for him. There was other people that had an argument to be better than Antonio Brown and better than Le'Veon Bell, but were they putting up the numbers that they were? No. Why? Because the coach? Plain and simple. So I, I really think I know you said it was a little hard for you, Clark, to pick with the NFL. To me it was it's relatively easy, um, to really go with the coaches on this because I have not really seen um You know, one player dominates so much to the point where alone he was able to take, you know, his team to the promised land year in and year out, you know, with a subpar coach. It just never happens. I've seen it in other sports. Football is the one that I think is, I'm going with the coaches, honestly, fairly easily.
0: Yeah, it. I think the gap is a little bit closer for me just because I've seen, maybe not take them to the promised land, but I've seen bad teams that have very talented... Uh, honestly, for the NFL, it's really just down to the quarterbacks uh, in all seriousness. I hate to, hate to do that, but, I mean, you see the Lamar Jackson, you see the... Uh, Kyler Murray's probably the better of the examples just because I'm not a huge Cliff Kingsbury fan, I think his offense works great at the college level. Uh, But in the NFL, he absolutely needed Kyler Murray because if he has any other type of quarterback running that system, they would have gotten sacked 30 times.
1: Facts.
0: Like, he had to find somebody that, hey, when this doesn't work, I need your legs to run. So that's kind of like, you know, maybe the one-off or the example I can think of where maybe the player's are a little bit better in that scenario, but I agree with you. It's, it's really the coach, especially at the professional level, uh, especially in football, basketball is a little bit different story where honestly in the NBA, I don't think there's more, any more than maybe three or four good coaches in the NBA. In my opinion, I mean, you've got coach Popovich clearly uh, he's on the verge of breaking the all time wins record. I think, uh is where he is um Eric Spolstra is another really good one I mean I remember watching the NBA back in the day where it was Phil Jackson and Pat Riley and all these others that I'm sure they had some of their players like Jordan and the the Showtime Lakers uh, allow them to be more of a, a visual than an actual coach but Maybe it's just Le- me, but like I remember watching Jordan. It was Phil Jackson running the team. It was still Jordan's team, but it was Phil Jackson being the coach, whereas uh, you could look at any of the teams that LeBron's on. I don't like to make this comparison, but it's the, it's the clearest one because LeBron is the coach. I mean, he's the one that's making the decisions, especially even GM decisions from time to time, whereas they just just need a figurehead to be there as their quote-unquote coach. I mean, he has a
1: lot to say so. Right, like a lot of say so, and I think that's partially come with time as well, where now it is way more for players lead than it ever has been. But I mean, that kind of the good segue, man. I mean, I think that we can we let's pivot into into basketball, um, no pun intended, like and just really look. And you bring up a really great point about Phil Jackson too. But I, let let's 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 get into like the coaches now. Um, one thing I do want to mention, I, I don't agree with you. But then I do kind of at the same time when you say there's only four coaches in the league right now. But you naming uh Spo Coach Spo over in Miami and um who else did you mention um, Popovich Pop Coach Pop. So I mean yeah you have two there and then I, I also would include Doc Rivers, um, mm-hmm. and then Steve, Steve Kerr being the four I think best coaches in the league. Um, and I I should say greatest right um coaches in the league i'll say that i won't say best because i think any given year sometimes there are other coaches the reason why i, I agree with you there is because i think those are the four greatest coaches just like you kind of mentioned the pat riley's and phil jackson of the world and like we even go throw in like rudy tomyanovich and jeff and gundy mm-hmm. um guys like that and i think partially though is I'll be honest. I don't remember the average or above average coaches from those eras. I remember the best coaches from those eras. And I think that's something that is the reason why I think when you look at basketball now, there doesn't feel like a lot of great coaches littered through the league where there were before. And partially because they had achieved the level of greatness as a coach that hadn't been achieved. And we can even throw in the Donnie Nelson's of the worlds and the, um, Um, jerry sloans thank you yes jerry sloans of the world like we are now six coaches that all coach at the same time for the prime of their coaching careers however where i kind of disagree is this is that i think there are other coaches that are very good coaches they just don't have the level of uh success to consider them all-time great yet because they are still coaching and i i personally do believe lebron did benefit from some pretty good coaches but i think this is where the argument with the nba it shifts for me a little bit when we talk about players versus coaches i do think that in the nba players are a little bit more important that is one of the few sports where i know a player can be the reason a coach is fired that yep. normally never happens in the nfl unless we're talking aaron rodgers status like you have to be The best player in the league, essentially, to make something like that happen Um, versus, you know, like just going back, like there's been multiple issues where coaches only last two to three years just because the players don't like the coach. And it doesn't have to be a high profile. I'll give you Indiana, Indiana, for example, last year's coach, I forgot his name, but he was one and done because of the rift between him and the players. It didn't work. He was not a good coach for the players and all the players did not like him and it just didn't work out plain and simple um whereas where i kind of where where I mean, my point is where the coaches there are a lot of good coaches but the reason why they don't seem as good is because also they don't really have quite the same talent that a hey, pat riley and phil jackson um and these guys had jerry sloan these guys had um on a consistent basis i mean you know pat riley had the showtime lakers phil jackson had the chicago bulls of the 90s and Shaq and kofi Greg Popovich had Tim Duncan and David Robinson the entire time while he was coaching up until just now. He hasn't made the playoff since, Um, you know, I want to say in the last three to four years, maybe, maybe three years, he hasn't made the playoff. So like, and even before that, they were like, you know, barely making it. So it kind of shows you, I think that the level that the players are a little bit more important with, uh, in basketball than they are in football. When we're talking professionally and i'll throw out just shout out a few coaches that i think are on the rise of possibly being recognized as as great coaches if they continue on the trajectory that they're currently on um number one that comes to mind is uh is uh what's my guy in milwaukee um man why do um, I not know his name michael michael
0: like bodenhauser yes
1: coach Bud. exactly yeah he's he's to me is one of those guys uh monty williams then we're talking about the two coaches that met in the finals last year monty williams has been great for phoenix um he was actually pretty decent uh when he used to be a coach i want to say in new orleans so um those are some examples of great coaches that are that are you know i would say climbing a little bit and we forget coach bud led a hawks team to 60 wins with essentially a starting lineup of like jeff teague kyle corver josh uh josh smith And, uh, Al Horford, like, I mean, granted, those are pretty good players, but like number one in the East though, 60 wins that had, you know, at the time, LeBron James and, you know, Celtics teams and Derrick Rose was still like, you know what I'm saying? Like that Mm doesn't, that shouldn't happen. That shouldn't happen. Um, but it, but it did. And that kind of, and then you look at what he's done in Milwaukee and, you know, Jason Kidd kind of started off with Giannis, and he had him very young and kind of helped him a lot as far as development. But, like, let's look at Milwaukee's team now. Like, yeah, GM-wise, they've made a lot of front office moves to really improve the team. But, you know, that team is a well-oiled machine, partially because of how great of a coach Coach Bud is. So those are just two examples that really come to mind. Coach Thibodeau is another one that you could really throw in there as well um, that's had a lot of success in the league, but just no rings yet. Um yeah, over overachieved last year with the Nick team there's a lot of just you know very good coaches that are littered throughout the league and Frank Vogel's one of them we talk about LeBron not really having good coaches Mike Brown was actually a very good coach in Cleveland during the first stand that team was one of the best defensive teams in the league and you don't get that way by only having LeBron you just don't like that's there's no way in hell that you just have one player you're just the number one team automatically on defense that team was made of shooters and defenders around LeBron they were just missing his they were missing a teammate for him, a, a co-pilot. They were that's what they were missing. And that's why they never achieved any success because they couldn't find him a good co-pilot no matter what they tried to bring into Cleveland. Nobody wants trying to go to Cleveland. And that's the issue what I mean by players. The same thing with the Iverson led uh team. You had such a great coach and a great player, but again, you never got Iverson a running mate. Why? Because players are that important. There's not that many teams that don't win that that win that don't have at least a all time great player um and then somebody to run with them it just doesn't happen there's only one team i could think of and i think the general consensus would be this is probably the one team that is the exception clark can you name that team yes it's within it's within the last 20 years and they matter of fact it's the only team in nba history that has won a championship with
0: no players off the top 75 list that just came out see now I'm glad that you said that at the very end because now I know exactly who you're talking about because that was a phenomenal team that was playing against a very old Lakers team that had the likes of Karl Malone and Gary Payton and kind of ring-chasing Then their very late twilight of their careers, even though Lakers still had Kobe and Shaq at that point. But it wasn't quite enough to get past the good old Larry Brown-led Detroit Pistons.
1: Exactly. Now, I will say that is one of the rare cases. So we're talking about one time in NBA history <laughs> that you didn't have an all-time great player, and there's no one on that team that you can consider an all-time great. Ben Wallace crashes the surface of an all-time great defender, but like you're not putting him in the same. I don't care who. I don't care what. I've seen the. I've seen lists. And I've seen people. I've seen. I've been in many discussions. Ben Wallace does not get talked about as one of the defensive players of all time. Maybe he should. Maybe he's underrated. Maybe we underrate his value to that team. And I think there is a little bit of underratedness, for instance, for when LeBron James went off for that infamous game where he had like 29 at the last 30 points against Detroit, and they put him out, and he took his team to the finals. People people, people like LeBron James fans, and I know people personally, and I don't mean to shout you out like this, but I know people personally that forget that that team didn't have Ben Wallace. That team did not have Ben Wallace at that point. Ben Wallace was already gone. Ben Wallace had moved on. Ben Wallace was old at that point. He had a long time in the league before he got on, and people act like he was young when he was in Detroit. No, he was in his prime in Detroit, and when he was done, he was done. And he wasn't there in 07. He was there from, I believe, like 02-03 through, I want to say, 05, 06, and it was done from there. And they made the finals twice with that team in won one Yep. So I mean it's it's uh and I wanna say they beat the I know they beat the Lakers in five, and I think they beat they lost to the Spurs the next year and in, in actually seven. So it just goes to show you, man, like there's there are some times and there are some exceptions to the rules. Now, granted, it could have been the players in that situation too, because the collective the, the collective group that they have. But at the same time, that's where kind of we're going back to the topic here at hand, Clark, is that I think generally the players in basketball are gonna be more Important than the coach, no matter how great the coach is. I still think, I feel Jackson doesn't get 11 without less. I mean, let's just be honest, three of the top 11, 10 to 10 to 12 players of all time. And if you want to throw Scottie Pippen in there, we're talking four of the top 25 to 50 greatest players of all time. Not to mention the fact that he was able to still coach along like Ron Harper's of the world and Glenn Rice's of the world and Dennis Rodman. Granted, that's another top 75 player. Um, and then you know, go into where you did have an older Gary Payton, and then even later with the Lakers, you had Lamar Odom and paul Gasol and Ron Artest, Metal World Peace, uh, mind you. So, like, and he had Derek Fisher as his point guard pretty much the whole time he was coaching, like, he had a very consistent point guard no matter what. Like, that was more so the reason why he ended up getting the, the 11 that he did. Um, is because of the coaches, the players he was coaching. Same thing with Coach Pop. He got five because you have the greatest power forward of all time, probably a top five center of all time, the greatest six-man we've ever seen, and a super pesky point guard that, to me, maybe should have made the top 75 list and is a future Hall of Famer, in my opinion, And Tony Parker. So the list goes on and on and on. Oh, and then not to mention Kawhi Leonard. Like, these are the guys that they had, bro. Like, they don't have these guys, man. They're not. They're not doing. They're not reaching the level of dominance that they reached as coach because they had these players that were literally the best players in the world, not only in that era but arguably of all time.
0: Yeah, it definitely doesn't hurt to have the best of the best playing for you and executing uh, the the type of offense and defense that you want them to execute. But yes, I agree with you. Like I said earlier, the NBA. Has definitely transformed itself into a players ran league, uh, especially with you know the centerpiece of LeBron James kind of you know running his team how he sees fit to try and ultimately win a ring. That's the whole point, and that's what he's been striving for uh, amongst many other things. But yeah, I think when it comes to a professional level, when we're talking about this subject, it's definitely uh, much more of an much more of a a uh, little bit more even, I guess I could say when it came to the importance or the value of coaches versus players, uh, just because at this point you're playing against some of the best in the world or should be the best in the world where you not only need a great game plan, but you also need players to execute said game plan. Uh, okay. So you definitely need that to happen. Whereas in the amateur world, when we're talking about like maybe like college basketball for a reason, you're going to see people like John Calipari. You're going to see Coach K's, the Bobby Knights. Those type of coaches just be super important uh, to these colleges and universities because not only their longevity, something that we talked about with NFL coaches, but also their ability to get the best out of these players and put them in the position to where they can – obviously improve their game and get to the next level and the type of coaches that I saw growing up uh, those names I also really enjoyed Brad Stevens a name that was in the NBA uh, he's uh, out of the Celtics was he was he coaching last year or the year before before he left he's front office he basically, front office now okay
1: yeah he moved from coaching and then they got rid of Ainge and he moved into Ainge's spot and then they hired uh Ime Udoka, who actually played for Pop it was on Pop's coaching staff.
0: I knew he had moved away from that coaching position. I wasn't sure if he went back down to the collegiate level or not. Uh, But I remember uh, a story about him that he was given the opportunity when he was having success at Butler uh, to go be the head coach at Tennessee. And he quickly turned it down. He didn't even really – look too hard into joining the sec and people were like you know you're gonna make a lot more money down there he's like yeah i understand that but in order to do so i'm gonna have to cheat and i don't want to cheat Um, and he was very adamant about that and the story was that his compliance officer if you don't know what that is each college and university has what's called a compliance officer these are the type of people that have to read what's known as the dictionary or the very thick Rule book that the NCAA hands out every single year and it's their job to be the go in between between the NCAA and the head coach so some coaches will go to their compliance officer and ask if it's okay to take a player out to lunch or if it's okay to take them to go here or there or talk to them whatever uh, the story goes that Brad Stevens would call his compliance officer at every hour of the day to ensure that he was not breaking any type of NCAA regulation. Uh, So that was mainly the reason why, A, he didn't go to the SEC, and B, he went to the NBA instead, because that's just the type of person and coach that he was and truly respected him. Uh, I got to see him firsthand when I went to Wright State. He was Butler's head coach back when they had Gordon Hayward Uh, and that very good group of basketball players. They were very, very good. But I guess we can end on this. I guess we could both agree on when it comes to amateur-wise, coaches, they have to be the more important because more often than not, it's not truly the best of the best. Even at the college level, you're going to run into scenarios where people get hurt. You're going to have maybe just not hitting their stride that time in their career. Um, Something along those lines where the coach is going to be a little bit more important. But when you get to the professional level, if you don't have a balance between the two, uh, you're going to either be like, you know, an organization that can't find the head coach but has the players, or you have the coach and your players just aren't thriving and you just can't find the success. Would you agree with that sentiment?
1: I w- would. I think that's yeah. I would agree with that.
0: So yeah, when it comes to the importance, I think you're going to have to have a split more on the professional side than the amateur side. Uh, but when it comes to actual value, I think you brought up a great point by bringing up that question, was value-wise, yeah, it's coaches all day long, especially on the professional level, just because players come and go. Coaches are going to be there for a while, especially the good ones. And even mm-hmm. even an amateur level, I mean, Calipari, yeah, he typically recruits the best of the best, but there are some years that, when Nerland's, Nerland's Noel got hurt, he was supposed to be the centerpiece of that team. Uh, there was nobody else there. I mean, he had some really good, quote-unquote, high school talent, but none of them were ready to carry a team. Uh, that team was not very good, but there were other years that he gets the best out of those players, and which is why there are a a lot of Kentucky players in the NBA right now just because of that. Doing very well. Yeah, doing very very well. One with a, a, a I don't know. I, maybe it's a reconstructed ankle at this point. I'm not sure what it's made out of—titanium, T- uh, <laughs> aluminum. I don't know. Obviously, it's Anthony Davis. But yeah, there was a lot of good players there. But I guess the—that's gonna how we're gonna have to answer that question is when it comes to importance it's really a split when it comes to actual value. It's clearly the coach that has to be there first in order to get the best out of their players, especially at the amateur level. Uh, Fletch, anything else before we uh, button up shop here?
1: Um, No, I think we, I mean, we hit that pretty well. I think those are the two sports where I think there's a, the biggest difference at. I mean, we can kind of get into other sports too, but I mean, just the way those two sports are, I mean, they're the two most popular sports in our country. And they're two most played sports um, in our country. So, I mean, just looking at those two, essentially, and I mean, you can kind of trickle that down. One thing that I do want to kind of mention, because we didn't really go into other sports, is that um, I think the number of players on your team, or at least that start, really uh, has an effect on which one of these two, between coaches and players, are more important. I think when you have less players starting uh, or on the field at one time or the court of one time, at one time, that's where I think the players become more important because there's less of them. So the better they are or the worse they are really comes out more so where you can hide uh, inefficiencies and, and weaknesses in sports where you have more players, um, if that makes sense. Like if I have a lot of linemen that are terrible run blockers, but they're great pass blockers, we're probably going to throw the ball Many more times than we run the ball, or vice versa. Um, that's just plain and simple, not saying they're better or worse, they're just better at this, right? So, granted, you can kind of hide their weaknesses by not throwing the ball or not running the ball that much of the game, where you're you know, you're dropping back and passing, but they're all better pass blockers. So, same thing with soccer, it has 11 players playing versus like hockey that has like. You know, I think it's seven, I want to say, um, if I'm not at six or seven, I can't remember. But like, that's the reason why you hear these great like there's always a debate. Put it like this on who's the best NBA player of all time or who's the best hockey player, for instance, of all, all time. There's, there's going to be those debates with football. You can't. It's very hard because there's so many different positions and so many different uh, levels of personnel to really determine who's the best football player in general of all time. There's really no definitive answer, not saying other sports have one, but it's the argument is there for players, for less players than it is for it is in football um, or even soccer, for instance, even though soccer is how, a lot of times we should go with the best strikers or forwards that there are. But there's other parts of that sport as well, which, again, leads me to the same thing. More players makes it very hard to have the players be more important because their weaknesses can be hidden. And they don't have to be great at everything. You just don't have to be. So that's where the difference is to me. And I think basketball and football are are great examples of the two
0: um,
1: opposite ends of the spectrum.
0: Agreed. And we see it all the time when just in regular classroom settings where you have 400 kids in a class. Very difficult for the the teacher to actually teach them all. Whereas if you have much more of a more private setting where you only have – 10 in the class, it's much easier for there to be actual discussions to be had, that the students will actually be able to speak directly with the teacher and have more one-on-one conversations comparative to, uh, more often than not, with those large student bodies, the teacher would be teaching basically the first two rows, and everybody else is just there. Uh, and it's the same the way with sports. The less players you have, especially in basketball, you can have much more one-on-one time, uh, whereas your assistant coaches may only have to coach one or two players, whereas in football, your assistant coaches are still coaching an entire group uh, of players. Uh, so it definitely makes sense that way, and uh, we're going to see it in the future. We're, we're always going to have this discussion about who was better, who had gave it more success, you know, Belichick or Brady or – You know, you can go Phil Jackson or Michael Jordan. and You can always have the discussions. But uh, remember that the absolute best ones, uh, those are the teams that have great balance on both ends. And one without the other, you don't get the ring. It's it's just that simple. Uh, So, Fletch, once again, thank you very much for joining in on this conversation. Uh, Next week, we will have... Another discussion we haven't quite yet decided. If you have one for us, again, simply go to Facebook.com slash A.K.A. Sports FB or the Twitter sphere. Fletch has got something out there for you. Just go directly to him. Uh, give us your idea and maybe we'll just talk about it. Um, and one last out thing. Yeah, definitely let Fletch know. Uh, But one last thing before we go, in two weeks' time, obviously the Selection Sunday will happen March 13th. We will be doing a podcast likely that Wednesday, and we will be doing our own Bracketology, trying to figure out, put together the ultimate bracket that will win all the contests. Uh, We'll figure it out. We know we got this. Uh, That being said, we'll be putting together a bracket challenge. Uh, We'll be putting some more details out next week. Uh, but for now, just enjoy those basketball games. I think Ohio State's currently at the half, about to be at the half. They're up 10 on Michigan State. So enjoy the rest of the games uh, heading into conference champion, or conference tournaments that have already started. Uh, but for now, my name is Clark Heron, a.k.a. The Harry Hobo. That's Fletch, and we're out of here. Peace.